seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride an illegal trail. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. is a Chinese Italian. Here's the snowboarders together on a run. You're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you run around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know? Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer. Ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today's March 19th, 2023, and you're listening to episode five. Here with me in front of you and your steaming naked eyes and ears <laughs> is the professor of PAL, the director of the Powder Intelligence Agency, and the United Shredders of Snow, the one and only Powbot. Oh my gosh, thanks for the How rat. That intro? I worked that, on that one all morning. You did, buddy. That's so good. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, thanks for the rad intro of Trail Whisperer. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Bet. I'm gonna be working on that one all week next next week when I'm in Canada. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with something really good. Yeah, the professor of dirt for sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's uh, thanks for the rad intro. It's good to see us. Cinco yeah. de Cinco de episode. That's right, number five. Number five. So, you know, this, it's been a really fun ride to be doing these through this cycle here in Tahoe and document what's going down. And uh, it's, it's really cool to be doing number five with a rad guest. So yeah. let's get into introducing him. Let's introduce him. Where are we re- let's, let's just start with where we're recording today, sure. and I'm going to let you take it from sure. here. Sure. So we're back in the old, uh, you know, mine, the Hirschdale. Uh, this is our second episode recording out here in, in Hirschdale, California, uh, just, you know, but sort of between Verdi and Truckee. Uh, and we're recording at Darren Ralph's living room, the uh, the uh, pro skier here from Truckee, and uh, he's blessed us to have us come over and sit here on a on a chill Sunday afternoon, drinking coffee and watching it snow. Welcome to the show, Darren. Thanks, boys. I love the uh, the call names here, Trail Whisperer, <laughs> and I've known Palbot for a while, but you guys are definitely professors for what you do out there, and you know, just uh, this is something cool that you're you're putting together and and showcasing the locals around here about what, yeah, what we love to do and obviously you guys are kind of leading the way so we're all trying to keep up with you too <laughs> i don't know about that yeah, i definitely don't <laughs> I think a lot of that. people a lot of people try to keep <laughs> no, up with but you. That, that's the thing up here man it's just incredible amount of like just the outdoor passion right and, yep. and the go-getters out here and and what everybody does and there's so many sleepers yeah exactly you know, i'm gonna definitely like a yep more higher profile just for my race background and, and like, you know, pro level, I guess, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with all the local shredders you know, out here and it's cool. I mean, I'm learning a lot from everybody in the Tahoe area every time I go out. That's cool. You know, I, th- I think that's something that's really in your face at, at Palisades Tahoe when you, when you ski there oh quite gosh. a bit, yeah. you know, you learn quickly that there's always a bigger fish on any given day of the week. Like you, you see, see someone, you know, do something rad. And then all of a sudden someone throws a double backy and you're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like my kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, like your 15 kid. 15 years old. Dre just, I mean, he just, <laughs> he's thriving up that scene. It's been so fun. And I'm just blown away. I'm like, can you be my stunt double? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, so the t- why don't you fill us in a little bit on what his exploits have been when, when I first showed up over here and we kind of caught up briefly, uh, I saw a bunch of rad footage of him shredding an AK and it just looked dreamy. Yeah. Well, uh, 
I've been uh, going to Alaska up to Haines since 2000. Mm-hmm. My first two World Cup wins, my buddy Zach and Reggie from Sun Valley started going to Haines in 98. And they're like, come celebrate after those two big races and, and ski with us in Haines. And so I showed up there and, and made it like a five, kind of six-year annual after ski racing. Just to kind That's of a like, nice treat. Yeah, for sure. You know, just, and I scored. Like every time I showed up, we got Sun and Powell. It was insane. Wow, that doesn't and happen. People, that and, often, and, right? and, you know, guys are sitting down for two weeks, like, tell us the next time you're going to show up. Because we're going <laughs> to book charm. those same dates next year. <laughs> but uh, I, got, I pretty much showed up there thinking if it's got snow on it, I can ski it. And then got some wake up calls, yeah. which is like the slough and, and, you know, kicking off, off some things. And, and uh, but it was just, okay, it's a whole new thing to learn. And back in the day, I remember Jeremy Nopus. He was one of my mentors and, and uh, from the, the ski racing world, one of the best GS skiers we had for a while in the U.S. team. This is back in the 90s. And he flipped the switch over to Big Mountain, went to Valdez. I think he just, you know, he just he learned the ropes up there. And I remember a comment that he made that, that, saying, like, Alaska is, like, way more gnarly than anything in the World Cup. And I kind of took it a little bit like, hey, man, you know, you never raced downhill. You know, you're just a GS skier. Right. But right. when I got to Alaska, I mean, I, I felt the same way. You're on top of stuff that's just, you've just looked at, right? Yeah. And you haven't, like for racing, you get to slip, check of the course, know every inch of that hill, know what the snow conditions are like, and then it's all out. And I always wanted to ride like a big AK line, mm-hmm. like race style. I never could. Because there's so many different like variables, you're looking over your shoulder. You're kind of like, you got Plan A, Plan B. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yep. And um, but for me, like from racing, the route finding and just kind of mentally rehearsing stuff that helped me quite a bit. But it was. Uh, That's neat to hear. So like, I mean, it, it, how long did it take you to sort of learn the the landmark ski from from either looking at it from the bird or from a photo? Because that's really the skill that you have to learn. Yeah, and back in the day, it was Polaroids, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in binoculars, <laughs> and you're looking at it. And, and no, uh, Jeremy Jones, when I was really starting to get into it, he gave me a good tip. He's like, if you see something you really want to ski, take a look at it, then work from the bottom up. And and that's kind of, yeah. you got to reverse yeah. that role, right? You got to yeah. see yep. kind of your run out, any exposure, debris, yep. just what route you're going to take. But I think the hardest thing is is going to the these like rollover lines and, and it's hard to know where you're at. So it's a team effort. You're yep. up on the top of something and waving your pole and getting a direction on the radio, step like 10 feet to left and, and, uh, take that like 11 o'clock direction, whatever. And, but like, a lot of that stuff I, I was used to in ski racing and I was just trying to like turn it around, like from that reverse from the bottom up and then just run that through your head. And, and, uh, that does, it's a fun challenge. And it's, it's been cool to watch your son go through that process. eh? Oh, it's because just, he, his first year last year was in Alaska. Yeah, I, I got lucky enough to take him up there to Haynes and back with Reggie Chris at Stellar. Cool. And jumped in with Carl Fosfed, who's a Sun Valley kid, um, pro skier. He's got Bropski is his uh, his film, and he's like, I'll have to check let's, that go. Out. let's go, let's yeah, let's go. I mean, it's a little snowmobile kind of um, access, I guess. Um, just approach to, to skiing, all the, the sawtooths up there mm-hmm. in Sun Valley a lot. <clears throat> but he does a lot of skinning, you know, once he makes that approach on the sled. But he's like, come in and, and uh, let's do a little skiing together in Haynes. And there's some stuff that I was pretty stoked. It wasn't like a gnarly spine, but, but it was the best line, this one bowl, uh, called Booter Bowl. And, and he's like, how about you and Dre ski that together? I'm like, you don't want it? 
I mean, I'm kind of like, okay, this is your show. You get first picks, and we'll do, we'll ski whatever else that you don't want to, you know, you don't want first crack at. He's like, no. I mean, that'd be really cool if you skied it and Dre skied behind you. And that was like kind of a, a really sweet father son moment. And I basically just got down through it and told him to figure out my tracks and go out the same exit. And you know, he was getting some, some, um, I guess, some tactics, you know, from Carl and, and from Reggie about how to ski it. Mm-hmm. And just laced it up, except for he did a little check at the bottom. I'm like, you know, that's, if, if that was a film line, bud, that would have been, you know, tossed out. You can't slow up. <laughs> you can't check, you know, speed and just like, you know, pull up and stop and look and then go again. But other than that, high five. <laughs> Does your son have um, the same type of aspirations that you had growing up, like as a ski racer? Or is he more into like big mountain free ride type stuff? He's into everything. Yeah. You know, he races. We're actually heading up to Sun Valley for U16 regionals today. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, he's, he loves doing it, but he's not super dedicated. Like, I love to free ski, but my number one priority was racing at this yeah. age and put a lot of time into it. And I see that he can do anything he wants to do. Um, he's an incredible athlete, super talented, but it comes down to full commitment and, and grinding, you know, and, and put a lot of work into to master what you want to succeed at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and he hasn't found that yet. But I mean, he's going out there and and uh, you know throwing double backs now and layouts wow. and just you know I was showing Pal Bot over here this morning. Yesterday they scored. My wife and the kids are up there. I was up there the week before. Had some other stuff I had going on. I come home. I see my family at the airport in Seattle for two and a half hours. Play some cards, hang out, and then uh, they're back in the same bed I was in just you know the day before. But uh, they had a couple days of some. Mediocre skiing. It was a, it was a full reset, and then they just crushed yesterday. Good. So he's like, you know, he's he's figuring it out. He's kind of playing some slough and pop a little three off a little little nugget and lands right in front of that slough and just tears out of there. It was it wasn't a big consequence line, but it's still like he's really playful, and that's what I love. Like I try and go up in the mountains now and have that youthful sort of like um, just uh, <clears throat> look at the mountain for terrain. Yeah. How can I have the most fun out here? You look at it like a snowboarder then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I, no. My wife's a snowboarder. I can't, I know, you know. Yeah. No, no, um, for sure. You know, you guys play so well and you throw the biggest walls up and that's kind of what I, I'm yeah. envious of. <laughs> Always trying to throw some big walls up on the skis, but it's just playing with terrain. That's what it's all about. And I mean, yep. if you're on dirt, you're on snow, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm coming down just trying to figure out what's going to be the most fun line down this thing. And I'm not throwing any tricks, but I'm looking for more like transfers and just really unique stuff and, and really trying to like, trying to get to just like creative out there, a little different mindset than a ski racer. Yeah. Um, speaking of ski racing for, for listeners who might not be familiar with who you are, maybe people who are newer to skiing that are getting into skiing that, you know, come from the dirt side of things. Uh, why don't you just give us a kind of a quick rundown? Like if you were talking to someone who asked, you know, just on the street, like, so what did you do? You're a ski racer. Like, what did you do? Like, what did you win? Just give us the brief kind of rundown on how much you've actually achieved in this career. Yeah. My quick uh, reply would be, I'm just a ski bum. <laughs> I mean, I like meet it. so many people on the, on the airplane, right. Going to Europe and dragging ski boots around and what do you do? And explain to him a little bit after a while. I was just, I'm just a ski bum. Just love the ski. Yeah. But nice. Bay area, came to Tahoe on the weekends, finally moved up to Tahoe. Um, got the bug for skiing and then 
jumped in Alpine Meadows race program with my sister and some buddies and then, you know, dropped into squaw, squaw ski, uh, ski team. And the racing thing just took over. And then actually I was pretty committed with that. I went back to Vermont to the ski academy. All of high school is focused on on training and racing and traveling and all that. Cause it's a pretty demanding sport. You're, you're over in Europe quite a bit once you start like getting that next level. And then I made the U.S. ski team at 19 years old, and and uh, I was 15 years on the U.S. ski team. And you start there's like a you know development team, then C team, B team, A team. A team's top 30 in the world. And two years on the U.S. ski team, I was A team. So it took a while to to get there. There's a few guys my age that made the team before me, like a year or two before. But it kind of made me work a little harder, and and uh, I was on a fast track once I made the team, and um, was in the mix like. My second year on the U.S. ski team, fourth place in the World Cup, which is at that's huge. Twenty-one, it's it was pretty, you know, quick yeah. move. And then it took me another five years to win a World Cup, but then I slayed two back to back in Norway and then won World Championships. So I have a World Championship gold, World Championship silver, bronze, and that's Super G downhill and GS and three events. The wow. Three events I focused on. Downhill is my number one kind of like thrill and, and what I wanted to focus for my career, but, um, I had a, a ski brand I was skiing for before and they're, you know, contracts up, started discussing kind of what the next, you know, what the future is looking like. And this is still early in my career and I want to be a downhiller and, and focus a lot on that discipline. They're like, you have no chance of being a downhiller. Cause that's for bigger guys. Like, right. Right. I'm a hundred, you know, five, nine, 180, 85 pounds. Yeah. And I was racing and, and I'm racing against big guys or, you know, Looks like football players. Six right? foot yeah. plus and two hundred and twenty pounds, yeah. and and that's freight. Like right. that's, that's Mass. you know, yeah. and that just like, that's just kind of like the yeah. So did you more make the, the body type, I guess. Do you make up that difference then with wax and and dope? Because <laughs> dope is king, dope baby. Is king, baby. Oh uh, yeah. It was that like was that a big part of your strategy then? Just being having your having a better wax regimen and being faster that way? Or? No, I mean at that level, like that, all those guys are right there. They're all there, huh? And there, there's a few like gurus, like I mean. Once you make that next level, like say top 15 in the world, you have a factory tech. And those guys, that, their craft is, is ski tuning and waxing. But for me, it was like, okay, I got to look for straighter lines, skiing it better, cleaner on the skis, better aerodynamics, and just get more nasty out there. Yeah. Taking more chances. And then that's kind of what I've always been kind of gritty like that. And, um, you know, don't mind a little pain. But, you know, I, I trained harder than I had to race physically so i knew i had that confidence in myself to yeah. be able to push really really hard start to finish but i was going to take more risk and that to me like i felt satisfied at the bottom of the run if i did that if i held back and i didn't have you know if there's something more i could have done on the hill i would have had this like almost sick to my stomach feeling yeah so you know that's something that i've always been impressed with you darren is just your your overall fitness is is uh, is incredible. Like you're, you're that athlete that's off the couch and can do, you know, just about any sport at a really high level. You know, I've always sort of liked embrace the, the Yvonne Chouinard, you know, mantra. And if you ever read his book, but he talked about being like, you know, a, a B plus or an 85% athlete in right. as many sports as you could. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that was a, you know, a really fulfilling way to go, which it sort of sounds like that's what Dre's doing. But, you know, to me, you're that athlete that comes off the couch and you're like 95% pinned in skiing, mountain biking. Uh, moto. Yeah, moto, jet skiing. Yeah, what are all the different things you're into? Like that's, let's let's you know, go like through that real it's quick. It's super impressive that, you know, 
you, you have that level of fitness. And, you know, I, I would just, I'll finish this train of thought, uh-huh. Kurt, because, you know, his, that, you know, going, going big is kind of how you, you and I became friends. And it's also where Darren and I solidified our friendship mm-hmm. in, in like a, a, a big shared suffering day. And my day with you was out in Deso. Yep. The first time we ever really hung out and got to connect. Yep. And it was a 10 hour ski tour. And I think Darren and I, that was a this very similar experience. Uh, we went out to Dick's, skied South Dick's, went over to Jack's, skied North Jack's, came back, skied Dick's again, came over to Gene. I mean, it was a 12 hour day. It was like eight or 9,000 feet. Our other partner that day that introduced us was Jesse Wilfie. And I think he puked at the top of our last peak. <laughs> he was so dehydrated. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you're the endurance guy, man. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, he just had, but I, I would love to, <laughs> no, he had a rough go at the end. It, it was, it's on my list yeah. here to talk about that, though, that those, those experiences, because, you know, that's, you know, with, with us having the show with minding the track and, you know, those, those shared suffering experiences where we do put our mind in the track for like a long period of time for 12 hours, there's something there that's just so valuable. And I, you know, and I think that I would like to sort of break that down and ask you both, like what, why, why is that so valuable? Why does that make a, like make a lifelong friendship when you go and just do something together with your friends in the woods for 12 hours? Like, like well, I, I mean, you lead it off. Yeah. You lead it off, Darren. What's how, what does that mean? Well, to you? Tom, that was, I mean, that was the first time we met mm-hmm. and then I don't know who you were, but you know, what Jesse this, said, this guy's a charger and like, all right, I better step my game up, you know, and he'll <laughs> hang today. And it was a big day, but yeah. it was incredible. And, um, you know, I just, I think that shared suffering or just, you know, passion being out there in the outdoors, like we were thriving off each other. I was just blown away, like mm-hmm. how stoked you were. And that fueled my fire even more. I was already fired up, you know, and, and um, that was my first time out to Desolation. Mm-hmm. I've been yeah, around kind of like that. Jake's and, you know, just just close to the water. But going that far was was really cool. And I've uh, hiked out there in the summer a little bit. But, you know, be just looking for lines. And, and um, you know, it was hot, super hot that day. Yeah, to, to, we, at we the found end of the some day. Pow. Yeah, we skied Pow you know, on north and then you know, like the, the right aspects. And so, yeah, it's amazing just like talking about the aspect, like, tilt and everything like what you can have in one run right yeah we had like pow to some crust to like some like good edgeable snow down to like corn yeah and i just had that yesterday too you know it's just it's crazy what you can find if you just kind of know those different aspects and and especially when you go back to repeat areas you kind of know what you're gonna what you're gonna find pretty much yeah and so that's kind of fun but um i think there's no matter what's out there i mean i'm always having fun I'm always finding something, even, you know, if, you, if you're just like, it's a crappy day, it's hot pow and skins are getting all stuck up with, with a bunch of snow and you globbing and, you know, you just, it's, it's kind of painful and it sucks, but, but, um, you, you kind of just laugh at it. You whenever. never get home and regret doing it. Right? No, yeah. it makes the adventure yeah. even better. Yep. But that was a big day and, and poor Jesse, you know. We nursed him along, <laughs> but we had to like, we ran, all ran out of water. We we're putting snow in our, yeah, in our camelbacks. We were having to melt water. And throw on the back of our packs, you know, just to get some sun melt. So we had a little something else to sip on, but I forgot about that. we were all kind of running. We were running low. It was a warm day then. Yeah, it, it was, was a hot was one. A, it was later Spring? in the year. It was almost right about, it was the first week of April, okay. I think. Yep. But there was still pow on north and, you know, provide, Deso provided a really cool day for us out there. And uh, got to ski some, you know, big lines really, really fast and big, you know, it was really uh, inspiring to see Darren draw some big lines down some of those peaks. It was cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the first time that I went out with Powbot. It's the same thing. First time in Deso, um, and we had a huge day, and it was just it was really cool to you know the shared experience, um, the shared suffering. You know, I've done a lot of those on the bike. Yeah, you over have. the years. And, you know, these like seven day epics where we're just in the woods camping or, or just riding point to point with a couple, a buddy of my two friends and I rode from Salt Lake City to Moab, Moab on Damn. as much trail as possible. Yeah, it was That's like cool. seven days and 400 some odd miles of like 60 percent single track, 95 percent dirt. And man, we formed a bond on that trip that'll never be broken just because of, you know, the that you, you put your mind in the track with your with your uh your compatriots and that shared suffering you know he, my buddy james would always joke about the pain cave and decorating your pain cave you got you got to decorate the pain cave man you got to put a nice couch in there you know you got like a little fire crackling in the corner and you're reading a nice book you just got to be in that thing like it's your house and your home and you just embrace the pain cave and so we would just joke about you know what our pain cave looked like at any one point during the trip and yeah you come out the other side and um it's you, you never you never forget that experience in you and there's that it's like i think you were mentioning the other day when we talked about it it's kind of like sim, not dissimilar to like what you know soldiers go through mm-hmm. in war you know they they come out the other end with this like bond because they ex- had lived through this experience together yeah and i think there's there's value in it too and that it's it's there's some there's something sacrilegious about it and that it helps us mark our passage through time you know, we, we don't have much left in our lives that sort of help define where we are at a certain place in time and space, you know, and I, I think there in other cultures, they used to, you know, and still do that. But as Americans, you know, we have, you know, what NASCAR on Sunday and, you know, something else on, you know, that's how we define our lives. But I think that, you know, not to get too, too philosophical on it, but I, to me, like, I'll never forget where I was on those days and who I was with and what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it really helps me remember where I was in that in time and space. Yeah. And I think that's what that is super valuable about those experiences and those adventures. Yeah. Uh, I got so, a question for yeah. both of you guys. So as a ski racer, you, you train to perform mm-hmm. and, and you guys are performing on bikes and, and snowboards up there in the mountains. And do you guys ever have like training sessions or is it always going for like, oh, I'm just going to go out hard because it feels good. Or you're like, I got something coming up. I'm going to go do some freaking crazy intervals, you know, stack on some real weight yeah. or something like that and hike up something and just, and go for. Yeah. That's actually effort. on my list to talk about. I'm stoked you brought that up. I don't know, Kurt, how about you? Well, it's- we were just, before we turned the recording button on, we were talking about, um, training for life. So, you know, like I'll be, I'll go out on these big rides where I'll be like trail running or something. And, and my lady Swan John, she'd be like, are you, tr- are you training for something? I'm like, yeah, life. life. I'm no. training for life. And that's yeah. how I see it. You know, yeah. as a ski racer is like, I mean, we had to train a ton, you know, so you could go all out. And I, and just, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, that was my profession and, and what I had to do. And it was my, which I said before, like I had more confidence in myself you know, thinking like, okay, I, I really belong here. If I put down the best run I can, I can be a bit one of the best in the world here. But mm-hmm. like, I would throw a weight vest on and go up to Donner Summit and just oh, run wow. as hard as I could. Yeah, rocky those, training. Like, yeah, you get killer grip and it's like big incline, but it's more like a scramble. Like you're jump up stuff and using your arms and pulling your, your body up. And I go as hard as I could for like a minute and a half and then stack some rocks and do three more of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, you know, you're getting a little like more tired each, each lap. But it would come down to, like, I'd be at the top of that last lap throwing up on the ground. Like, I, 
embrace the pain cave there. So, so this is you were doing that when you were training for for World yeah, Cup. Or, it, yeah, it was more it was a physical training, but it was also mental, mental training. Yeah, yep. Because I knew I would never be at that level on a World Cup hill, you know, yep. going all out. Like, right. yeah, you get tired, you're smoked, your legs are frying, you're you're you're, you're a completely like just you're sucking wind as as much as you could be. But I never quite reached that level that I did when I was training. And that gave me some more mental confidence. Yeah. It's it wasn't fun, but like I do it two times or three times in the fall. And I got Marco Sullivan, a buddy of mine that was on the U.S. ski team with me, local kid that lives in Tower City, to do it. And he, he made it one time. I kept calling him out, let's go do it again. He's like, nope, <laughs> that's not for me. You make training so horrible that game day is like the off day. And that was, re- you know, that was a strategy that I always um, employed when I was bike racing. I mean, I was never bike racing at the level that you were ski racing, but I was racing, you know, category one road, like with, with the top professionals. And, um, it was, it was intervals day and night in and out. And you just would like literally make yourself puke, go so hard that on race day, you were like, man, this is nothing. Yeah. You got to train like you race and that I I train with intensity. Yeah. And, um, that really kind of elevated my, just my, I guess race craft was like going out there on a daily basis and at least having one run all out. I want to see what I can do in in training and, and you work on stuff, you're testing boots, you're testing skis, different, you know, plates, all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of things that go in there that I think a lot of people don't know about ski racing, a lot Mm -hmm. of equipment testing, but then you're also trying to, you know, figure out tactics and, and, uh, technique and like, okay, put that aside, one run all out. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of what you needed to keep doing. And I know I'm with you guys. I'm training for life still and just having those like epic life experiences. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was I, just curious if, you know, I, if like Tom, you're going yeah, out with you know, some, somebody, you know, like, oh man, I got this trip coming up, Canada. It's, it's, well, I'm going to go hammer some like laps, you know, hiking s- with some big heavy packs and just go try and get, you know. Well, training session before I go. I gotta Chase say, pow. unfortunately, no. I just, <laughs> I just keep shredding pow. Uh, it's been, my, it's been my training regimen in the winter time. You still go uh, hard though. I mean, that's just yes. Yeah. I think it's, I, you know, Sam Hamilton the other day mentioned it that it's just all about going every day, and I think right. that's been a big, big part of my life, and and that I just have uh, been doing it so long. I think that the mental fortitude for me has come from experience. So I, you know, you know, doing a big 12 or 16 hour day in the Eastern Sierras, you know, it gives you uh, a little understanding of what your mind and body can do. And then you just keep building off that. And I think that comes with time uh, and experience. And then in the summertime for me, uh, you know, Kurt, I, I do the dirt thing because that that's, keeps me fit for, for my winter adventures. So, you yeah. know, there was a, a number of years ago when I first made those, one of my first stickers and I put it on my fender of my front tire and it just was always there to remind me of why I was suffering on my bike, right. you know, because I was, I was keeping, I was keeping my mind in the track with an eye on the prize of being, staying fit and relevant in the ski world in the wintertime. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, we're, we're all creeping up in age here. I turned 50 here in a couple of weeks and I know Darren does too. He's a, just a few weeks behind me. So I think we all sort of have our little own programs and our own things that we do to stay, to stay fit. And, uh, and, and you know, at that age, like it's a number. Yes, I mean, obviously, yep. like, my biggest thing is recovery now, is what I noticed, you know, from, like, my, my 30s. But I get so inspired by, you know, others. So the break, same age, you know, they're just, like, out there crushing it, and that shouldn't slow us down. So break that down a little bit. What is, like, do you, you, you take consistent rest days, Darren? 
No. Yeah, so <laughs> I, mean, that's, I have a hard time doing it. You know, it's time. like if, if it's a good cycle, like I hardly, I mean, I'm on skis a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm traveling a ton. Um, uh, I've had some incredible days here in, in Tahoe um, this yeah, winter. Yeah, sure winter I've missed a lot here. of, you know, a lot of days too. Just, I mean, I go from like, you know, coaching camps in, in November, um, ski racing, to working with the U.S. ski team, to showcasing like a, a trip in Kitzbühel to Hanukkah which is like our Super Bowl of skiing. It's, a, it's the biggest, nastiest downhill on the track and on the, on the World Cup circuit. And, and uh, that was... That, that you won. Yeah. yeah. Just, so, just for people who don't know. You know, won at once. I was uh, three seconds. Or I got another first in uh, Super G. I won that as well. But seven podiums there. It was like a different place for wow, me. Wow, that was your spot. And that was like going back to, I guess, what we were saying about, you know, um, being a downhill racer where that one, one guy, the... the the head of this one race uh, brand saying, like, you have no chance being a downhiller. You don't have the size. I'm like, oh, yeah. He watched me, and I switched brands and won the next year, you know, in downhill. But to me, it was, it was one of those places where I could separate myself from others or, or take more chances. And I love that feeling. I love that feeling. Even just, like, putting a hammer down on the skin track or trying to climb something that's like, you know, what, what am I made of right here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's fueled me through my life. And... um like, you know, on the intro, there's something about, um, I don't know, religion, you know, being out, outdoors. It's like, you know, the mountains are my church. Yeah, that's right. Just like, you know. So you feel that, here. you feel that way strongly. Oh, about, I just feel yeah. like, you know, you, you get immersed yeah. in that, like, you know, it's like you, you get in that kind of really focused, hyper-focused situation when you're climbing something, you're trying to clean a little line and you're pushing really hard and then same thing. And then you might have like a chance to kind of back off and, and your mind kind of wanders, you start chatting with some buddies, but then when you're going downhill, you're hammering, you know, and you're hooting and hollering here and there. But there's some times where it's just like everything you got, body and mind is, is like just focused, like straight ahead. And same thing with skiing for me. Yep. That's what I love about it because I'm not trying to escape from anything. I'm just trying to find that like that euphoric, that, like cla- just that high. Clarity. Yeah. And yeah. I, and so and oh, I'm just saying... Uh, there you go. <laughs> and we it. all do. We, you know, that's we, we share that, and that's what that's it's a lot of fun. And maybe going back to one thing that's been in my head for the last couple of minutes when we've been talking is the number two experience that we had, and about talking about grinding in a, in a gnarly day, like oh, that that caught up to you. The Herlin, well, I didn't even know the it was Herlin you. Day. Oh yeah, let's yeah. hear about this one. Yeah, this yeah, is it, a good it, one. It's on my notes to talk about this one. Okay, yeah, but, I yeah, mean, we can just... get there when we get there. But yeah, let's just go into it. I mean, it was kind of. I mean, we've had yeah, we haven't wow. spent much time out in the mountains, but we've had. Two, but like my most standout, you know, top 10 days in my head that yep. involve you, the Talbot. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll dive into this one. Yeah, go I'll, for I'll, it. I'll lead it off because this is, it, you know, that line is, I'll, I'll say that it is kind of, I, I've owned it for a while. Uh, it's I, since I moved to Incline. And, you don't have to like tell them. Yeah, no, it's, know, I, uh, I don't know. It's, it I, I think this, you know, I've been <laughs> a bunch of BS. Yeah, man. I don't know. I've so I'll, I've been somewhat quiet <laughs> about where I ski in Tahoe on this podcast so far that we're five in. But I think this one, I, it's 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 so out there now that you know it's I, not I'm, a secret. It's not a secret, and I'm cool sharing it, and I'm cool. I'm cool putting in that skin line proper so that everybody can get up the thing. I mean, there's been some times. I, uh, you know, this year I think I've skied it seven times this year, which is almost more. It's as many times as I've almost skied it in the last twenty was this year. Just is just I think it's indicative of how good of a year we had. But it's Herland Peak. It's AKA the Bear Scratch. It's on the east shore of Tahoe. It rarely fills in, and it's just it's it's a novelty ski in some senses. It's not all that steep, 
but it's just a, an incredible visual experience skiing down into the Tahoe off that line. And it is a big fall line. It's big. It's 2,600 top to bottom and it's direct. And, uh, there it was, uh, our experience on it was at the end of the cycle in February of 19. And I, I was on a bender, man. Like that was such a good cycle. And I had been mentoring, uh, one of the trip brothers from Santa Cruz and we had just been on it. We were up at four or five every morning through the whole thing. And towards the end of that cycle, we got like 36 inches of convective blower on the East shore. It was one of those weird storms in Tahoe where like the crest didn't get it, but heavenly Mount Rose, the East shore, and in even the, uh, all the runs that went, you know, that go from the East shore down to the, to the Carson Valley were all time. We had the next day, we actually did two laps on uh, slide mountain down to Davis oh, Creek. I do that one. So th- it was one of those storms, yeah. which are rare and it just sort of everything on the East side fills in. But you know, I had my eye on it. I had skied bear scratch maybe two or three days prior. So I knew it was in and all of a sudden I woke, you know, that storm came in and we got 35, 36, 40 inches of no wind convective blower in the backyard. So I got up at four in the morning, you know, three thirty, four in the morning, got my crew, we made it down there and start, you know, put our heads down and it was a trudge, man. Like it was a deep trail break and we were in front of everybody until like the last 500 feet. And then all of a sudden there's just this train of frothers <laughs> that had caught us all because the, you know, the we trail, put in the tra- we, we put had put in the, put the, in the track, track almost yeah. to the top. And this, you know, I think there was 15 people that maybe caught us that morning with Darren being one of the crews. And, uh, you know, we got to the top and, I kind of told everybody to put their junk back in their pants and not get excited and that I was going to go, I was going to drop first because <laughs> I had put a fair, a fair amount of work in that morning. And my, uh, my, my, I sent one partner around the, the safe entry so that he could get eyes on us because my, my other partner and I wanted to actually drop into that thing from the very, t- it was the first time ever that we'd actually not had to scramble in. You, even this year you were mm-hmm. having to sort of down climb the rocks to get into that thing. But anyway, we like, you know, popped an air, popped like a 10, 15 foot air into, into the thing, landed, skied half of it. And, and yeah, my, my third partner had eyes on us for that. And then, you know, we were down about halfway down that pitch and I look up and all I see is this Red Bull helmet, just like, like <laughs> engulfed in pow, just sending bear scratch. And, uh, and here comes Darren, you know, and like, yeah, it, but you didn't know it was me at that I point. I did not. I did not. I had, no, this is what's cool about the story is I had no idea it was Darren, but I did see the Red Bull helmet and I knew it was a pro and, uh, you know, and so like I see him come in and at that point we were already about halfway down the pitch and you know, there was no Abby concerns more. It was just, it was just convective blower. And so like, I see him come and I put my glove back on because I had stopped and taken some video with my phone. And like, I just see Darren come in and I drop in right next to him, slash a big turn. And then he and I race to the Cover bottom. Me. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just smoke showed me. Yeah, big time. I think I smoke showed him. And then like, you know, and I'm like, God damn, this I guy. I tried to give him back, give him some back too. Yeah, dude, yeah. I was like, he's not, I was like, whoever this is, is not going to beat me to the bottom of this pitch. And we just sent it, you know, and it was so fun. And like, it just, it was such good conditions. And so I got to, you know, we got to jointly do a, a, a family shred of the lower pitch of bear scratch that morning and like waist deep blower. And we get back down to the road and we kind of like, you know, see each other's faces and we're like, dude, it's you. This was <laughs> like, after was the, the best part right yeah, there. That was, it was the best part. Yeah. And like, and we hugged it out and like, it was just one of those, it was absolute euphoria. At the road, snowbank, like you could yeah. take one more step and been on the, 
pavement, the highway. Right? Yeah. That's how low we went it right was, there. It was too tight. And then we're like, no way. It's you. Hi, come up, <laughs> high five, hug. That was after but, Deso. The Deso day. That was after uh, the yeah, Deso yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, it was. It yeah. was after yeah. that day. Yeah. But, but my story was like, <laughs> I didn't leave Truckee till 7 o'clock. And this guy I was going with, he was just lagging. I'm like, God, man, we're going to miss it. We get to the parking lot in San Harbor, and all these cars are there. I'm like, oh, man. Like, there's like at least 10 cars. Put the skins on right there. Like, we walk right out of the parking lot, cross the road, follow the skin track. And, and we're, I'm kind of like, let's get up there. Let's go. You know, get, start, like, like you said, you know, one of those frothers back there. And we cop to a couple, pass a couple, and then we get to the, the lead pack. And I didn't, you know, recognize who it was. You guys, it was I was behind quite a few still. Yeah, there was a crew. And then my buddy, like, you know, blasts off the side to make a pad, make a new tra- track and pass a few. I'm like, nah, let's just hang back. Like, this is not cool. Like, this has just been, like, laid out for us to follow, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mind the track. Stay on it. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we get to the top, and we did a quick transition. I'm, I'm ready to go. And no one's dropped in yet. And I'm like, okay, Al, we're going to hang and wait until three guys go. It'll probably be the first three guys, like, you know, broke the trek. But we didn't hear what you said, you yeah, know, yeah. yelling to some others because we were a little up more to the right. Yep. And um, I was just, you know, we're sitting there waiting, and all of a sudden this guy goes, hey, Darren, you know, from the top. And this kid, Max Hall, or uh, sorry, uh, Max Hammer, he was up there too. I'm like, what's up, man? I mean, I, I, I was just—I didn't want to say hi too long because I didn't want to miss the opportunity. So I was just trying to keep eyes on whoever's about dropping the, in. All about the quick transition. We're like one, two, three. Okay, we're in and drop in for the first upper section, and I'm like super squirrely all over the place, and take a stop and wait for my buddy to come down. Up, oh, I'm in walk mode still. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I didn't switch over yet. <laughs> That's your froth. Your froth oh, yeah. level had got. Totally forgot yeah. about that. You know, so. Switched it over, and then um, it was like that, you know, top third stop. Just make sure, I, you know, we came together. It's all good. It was just two of us. And then just started blasting down and saw you out in the front. Try to catch up. And I remember going back and forth. Like, I'd catch up a, a little bit and then make a little, like, lead. And then, bam, you'd be right there. And then, flack, you know, just get smoked out. And then and, uh, it was just like this, like, back and forth. And, and we roll up to the road and just kind of do the one swooping turn, like, face to face. Just, you know, I'm going to share some stoke. And, oh, it's so you know, fun. It's like, oh, it's you. Hey, man. Oh, my God. It's, it really was. <laughs> you, it yeah. was the day of days down there. And you that. said, like, you've been there for 10-plus years doing yeah. that. And I was, like, one of your all-time days. Yeah, I mean, I, ski- I skied it seven times this year, I think. And I had one day that was close to that, but not even. Yeah, it was incredible. It, it, was, so. it was really Like good. you said, it's just, I mean, so beautiful looking down on top of the lake there. And I was uh, a mountain bike there. This last summer, last mm-hmm. fall, and I went all the way to that entry. Yeah, that, and the, looked down into that. That's thing a really cool. Like, but oh. That's a really neat bike ride to be able. I was to showing do a that. buddy of mine, um, kind of that you know, that perspective, telling him the story, <laughs> just looking over the, the edge and down the lake, and just you know, I haven't been out there yet this year. I don't know if uh, it's going to happen, but it's still in. Yeah. So I went. I I I checked on it the other day because I want to get Kurt in. To maybe ski it at some point. It's just one of those two. It doesn't have to be that good. It'd be incredible, incredible if it was. But yeah, just to be up there, it feels good, you know, and share that experience. And yeah, the lake somehow. Like I mean, what we have here in Tahoe is insane. You know, all this water around us, and you know, around Lake Tahoe or Donner. Just I love skiing with a lake view. 
Yeah, totally. Water and water in sight. And that's a unique spot in, in Tahoe too, because it is technically high desert. So there, you know, it's, it's wild how sometimes at the top of that thing, it's just, just, it's all rhymey. Yeah. And it, there's this really sort of, it's got a know, great basin feel to it. It does have a great basin mm-hmm. feel to it. Yeah. And it's this really out of, you know, sort of out of world experience. I think that there was a, there was a time where I, I was up there. I think it was maybe it was last year I was up there and there was a couple of days and after the December cycle it was in and we had gotten it the day before and I went back to do a couple more laps the next day. And, you know, it was kind of tracked out and there was a ton of people there and there were two guys from the Barry at the top at the transition. And they, they looked at me straight in the eye and, and, and were kind of like, Hey, this thing's like been super hyped. Like, is it worth it? And for me, you know, that, I don't know, it was my second or third lap on that in the 24 hours, but just that morning on the skin up was one of the most beautiful tours I'd ever been on. And those two guys had just had that same experience, you know, of like just the, the way the, the quality of the light and the way everything looked. And I, I just kind of looked at him was like, you know, I don't, yeah, I was like, clearly, yes. Like I, I don't care about my run at this point. Like for right. me, it was all that second morning. It was all about the up. Yeah, just It was being out there. such a beautiful morning. Tail Rick with Trash and Treasure on WMTT Hot Country 103. Give us a call. Tell us what you got for sale today. Hey, you're on the air. Yeah, there's uh, Enos Mahaki over there in Booger Hole. I got a Larry Fisher Mountain pushback for sale. Only been crashed into a tree once, so uh, pretty much brand new otherwise. Got a nice jail seat on it. Some uh, off-road tires and that. And uh, it's got them suspensions. Asking tree fitting, firm, service calls only, no scammers. Don't waste my time, don't steal my stuff. 522-0258. All right, Mahaki over in Booger Hole got a Larry Fisher mountain bike for sale. Tree fitting, don't waste his time, don't steal his stuff. Give him a call at 522-0258. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. So. And a lot of those experiences, you know, with the with the, the the theme of minding the track, a lot of times, man, the most memorable not a lot of times, but some of the time the most memorable part of a an outing is just like climbing or just being yep. in nature like i you know i don't like the rundown might be okay it might not be awesome but it's just the you know and, and it might be awesome but really what matters is being outside being out in nature and just like feeling you know feeling that connection to the environment completely like, yeah. yeah i always feel like i mean look at it like immersing myself yeah in that situation there's times you're putting your head down just grinding you know what stuff yeah but take a moment, like look around. Like yeah. you said that that morning, like you just hit your high, 
you I know, got my by high looking end. around. Yeah, I got my high down. just but, walking up that, that I mean, morning. But I think we're all the same. We're not going to just go embrace the climb for, for nothing, yeah. like, you know, on the, on the downhill. And to sure. me, that, that's the yeah. ultimate, you know, just a reward right to there. To get it all. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really start, I mean, as you get older, too, you start really appreciating the experience and who you're with and, and you know, mm-hmm. looking around like, man, just take a moment, like, look at this place. Yeah. We're in a beautiful spot. And, yeah. um, you know, I just uh, I was on this um, this trip just last week to Telluride and just going, and I didn't ski out of the resort. I was with this corporate group. Um, and so we had great skiing in the resort, but I was just looking out there and like, damn, like this place is just full throttle in some spots, you know, all these big couloirs and, and big uh, train out there. And, and t- I could, I could just, I have those moments now where I just can look at something and just take some time. I appreciate it. And like, Hey, if you guys didn't see this, take a look over there. And then you have other jaws dropping and, you know, eyes getting all wide and they just, and for me, it's, yes, I want that feeling for myself, but what I love to do is share experiences at, yeah, you know, yeah. on the world cup in Kitsville or Beaver Creek. Um, we had the men's world cup here at Palisades Tahoe. Yeah, let's, first time let's talk about that. Let's talk about men. that a little bit because that, that was a huge event here for us in Tahoe. Uh, you, you know, yeah, I'm I wish. Sure I, I mean, I wish it was during my time. Like it would have been, I would have had so much honor and pride to be racing on home turf. You know, down Red Dog, spent a lot of times growing up racing there and training. Yeah. But so were you, were you mentoring some of the the racers for the US ski team this year there? And you know, I, I I tried to do something. And I was a little upset that it didn't you know, come to fruition was I wanted these guys to come out in the summertime or in the fall and go walk the hill, check it out, get a feel for that terrain. Yeah. We could do a little, some training sessions up Shirley Canyon kind of stuff I was doing off Donner, you know, with some run up the Creek and, you know, on the, on the granite and that's a great idea. Trailing. But, um, you know, the, the head sports science, um, director who was a coach of mine back in the day, Per Lundstrom, he's in charge of all the Alpine, um, sports psychology and everything. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he was like, this is a great idea. We've just got to try and find the time. I'm like, well, if it was me, I'd make the time as a ski racer to do this. And I reached out to our top guys who are going to be here and they're like game, but, uh, they weren't motiv- motivated enough to, to, to do it unless the team provide them. And I think that's a problem because it's like, to me, I went to places like Kitsbill and, um, Beaver Creek mm-hmm. in the off season to walk the hill and just feel a little more of that and get in tune with your surroundings. It's yeah. like, it's like surfers who totally. go, it's like surfers who swim out to pipeline in the summertime when there's no waves and really familiarize it's, themselves it's a with, with the reef. Yeah. The yeah. reef is it, deadly. Yeah. yeah. The reef is deadly, but yeah. so, you know, so is a ski hill. So yeah, red should... dog has gnarly terrain. I mean, those yeah. big rollovers oh, yeah. and the more you kind of know it and you know, yeah. you don't even have to ski it, but if you just walk it like that to me is, is going to like, be something else that's in your corner. And I was a little like, man, if I were guys, if, if I were you guys, I would have been here. Yeah, that's cool. I've done that and they didn't do it. And uh, if you look around on the top of that uh, fireplace mantle I got back there, I got two rocks to the right of that Kitsbill trophy. One rock's from Kitsbill on the exact line. I probably skied over that a couple of times. And the other rock is one from Beaver Creek that I probably skied over too. From the Birds of Prey downhill? Yeah. And so to me, I have like a little piece of, of that like, you know, mountain. And I, that was when I was racing. I kind of like would look at those things for the summer, grab them. I could feel like energy coming through those things. It just, I was, those are two races I was able to like really step up and elevate myself and with, you know, a couple wins and more podiums, you know, um, on, on those tracks. And I think it just, 
I just wish those guys came in and did that. I mean, we had kind of lackluster results from the U.S. ski team here at Palisades, and and um, I'm hoping it comes back and these guys can step yeah. up and we have somebody on the podium or win the you know win this race. Is there talk of them coming back and doing it again? There is, yeah. It's just, okay. but you know, the hard thing was fellow Euros to like be in North America in November, race Birds of Prey, and then go back to Europe and then come back here. You know, for another round, which they had Palisades, Tahoe, and then Aspen back to back, but it was one tech weekend and one speed weekend. But like, yeah, we got as lucky as we could have we been. We got so lucky, and that's I, I want them to come back because I didn't yep. get to go see it because I was too busy shredding power through the cycle. <laughs> I mean, that's how good it was. But I tell you, like, we had that course so dialed, or, or the surface, right? For racing, you want it as hard as possible. You want like that concrete floor right here in the house because you're gonna have it's gonna be durable. Uh. And you can get power out of the, you know, out of the skis. It's, um, it's safe, but just like, that's kind of like the ultimate, it's like a pristine pow day. Like you want to have rock hard snow, you know, on a little on the grippy side, but like really rock hard snow for racing. And, um, we had it on Wednesday, top to bottom, then it just dumped. And, um, yeah, I think I reached out to you to go skiing and you were like, I'm kinda, I was locked kinda, in. Like I was, was kind of busy like, with the world. Cup. <laughs> I was at 3am on the chairlift in red dog with about 150 people like going Side up there sliding. to, that's what it took. We got to like put the bean net up after the cats were on it for 12 hours. Oh man. Then we had to start scraping. I mean, we're using, I mean, we're trying to get rid of snow right down to the, the hard surface. We put so much water on the hill. It's like an ice rink underneath, but we need to get down to that. And wow. uh, it came down to like 10, 15 for 11 o'clock start before the jury and and the, the the team head coaches decide okay we're gonna have this this is good i was going down um i was there all morning yeah. we're working on it and jury inspection is right before the athletes come down to look at the hill and maybe there's got to be a, <clears throat> a little adjustment to this section of the course or snow conditions whatever what they got to do and they're shaking their heads and i went up with the head coach of the swiss team the next that lap which he has the number one racer in the world marco odermott and um i'm like what do you think about the course he's just shaking his head he's like hill's amazing beautiful area we love being out here but you know conditions are not good right now too much too much pow yeah (laughs) (laughs) i heard that the world cup racers though they had like the pow day of their life on kt on friday oh yeah they they wrote the the race weekend (laughs) off man we were like shredding on thursday and friday like i i pull up to I mean, I ski with Alexi Pintero, French guy, also a Red Bull athlete, Marco Selva and Travis Ganong. I took him out just ripping him west face. And, and uh, I mean, he's way behind, you know. He's an incredible racer, but he, he wasn't keeping up on the free ride side. But it was so fun to show him around. And um, obviously, they don't want to take too much risk either. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't want to, yeah. like, tax themselves too much, and they want to save some legs. But, you know, people are hooting and hollering on the lift. You're going, like... You're just looking left, right. They're Swiss, the Norwegians, the French, you know, just yeah. the Italians, like so Austrians. Cool. And it was such a cool vibe. And Friday, same thing. Like most of the, the Slalom guys, because Slalom was on Sunday. So the, the GS guys kind of backed off a little bit on that Friday to save themselves. But um, <clears throat> just physically. But all these guys are out there just crushing. And um, I ended up like skiing with this kind of like the, I would say like the, the B team Norwegians. The A-team guys, Lucas Broughton and uh, Kilday, the top two guys pretty much in the world, they are out skiing. I didn't even know that. I didn't see them, but I ran to the other guys and started, like, we had a blast. That's like, showing them around. KT and then Red Dog. And two of those guys that I skied with those two days on Friday, one got third in the GS and the other one got second in the slalom. So it just shows, like, 
from the B team. Yeah, I'd say like the B team level. They're still like, yeah. you know, I mean, they're still top 30 in the world. Like sure. 18, but I'd say like not the superstars. Right, right, right. But they stepped up and, um, awesome. you know, put down their best races of the year. And I, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, it had a lot to do with that vibe, that energy, and just mm-hmm. how much fun we're having. They just took it into racing. Yeah. And that was my big move on the World Cup. I was here in Tahoe skiing at Palisade with McConkie and Mosley for two days, skiing McConkie style. Like, I'm used to just blasting big turns down stuff, and he's like Billy Goaten, and we're having just unreal time. Like, skiers left a corkscrew. They're in granite. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I just took that vibe. A, a fun skiing vibe in the racing went to Norway and bam, like knocked down two my first World Cup wins. And it was just like I had to attribute that to what I was feeling a couple of days before. And and I and everybody was just on such a high, all the World Cup international guys, like the US ski team guys, we were skiing with them too, and and they're used to that a little bit more. But still blown away how how good of that day was. But for the, the, the Euros, like, to have those guys out, even at bib draw, we bring up the top 15 in the world. They get their bib. We do a quick little, like, you know, what do you think about Tahoe and Palisades here and this and that. Like, oh, these two days have been so freaking fun. They're all going to want to come back. So besides, like, the, the 8 to 15-hour drive from San Francisco getting up here during that storm with AD closed, besides that and, and uh, just, you know, the risk of losing a race – they loved it, but that's going to be our biggest challenge getting uh, the, the Fifth Alpine Tour back is because it's a second round for them in, in North America. Hmm. And, um, you know, just the struggles. I mean, you guys should have flown to Reno. But they don't want to, like, take that risk of coming from Europe. With, I mean, it's incredible how many skis, skis and equipment whatever. and everything that yeah. each team has. Yeah. So if they lose some stuff, like doing another, you know, um, another leg of a trip, I mean, they're like, oh, three and a half hours from San Francisco, no problem. But when it's dry and summertime, yeah, it was not the case when, when they showed up. When it's not this winter. Well, you know, one thing that I I definitely noticed about you and and getting to know you a little bit more is you have always seemed to have that element of fun in your life. And you know, there there are racers, ski racers out there who take things super seriously, and they all they they are just so laser focused on the prize at all times. But, you know, I, it seems that you've always been able to keep that perspective of having a good time and having fun and not just, just, not just only skiing, but like in the off season, you know, you'd be racing dirt bikes or, or racing jet, riding jet skis or, or whatever you mountain biking, you know, you have these other things that you do and, you know, you and I share a mutual friend in Victor Sheldon, the, uh, the old jet ski racer, the slasher, the slasher legend. And, you know, I, I know Victor better than I know you, but I see that I see why you guys are best friends because you guys, you take your craft very seriously and you're very focused and, and you train and you, and you have your eye on the prize, but you also are down for some shenanigans and want to have some fun. Oh yeah. I get, it's like that TGR saying like tight, loose, man, keep it tight, (laughs) but you also gotta get a little loose. loose. And that's how I raced. Yeah. Right. If I wasn't yeah. a little loose on the track, I wasn't going fast. I wasn't on that hustle, you know, line where I could just make stuff. If you have too much time as a racer and you have on the, you know, on, on the hill to kind of like think too much, then you're not on that like line that you could be pinning, where you're just getting away with it. And those are fun runs. And it's just you know that's kind of what like lights me up too. Just even just skiing laps on KT, like I'm gonna go fast in spots and like I have. You know, some of a plan, but if something gets a little loose, 
then it comes down to being an improviser and trying to like pull things off. And mm-hmm. we had, we had this American downhill podcast as well. And we had Franz Klammer, like the, the king of, you know, legendary, like a uh, world cup skier downhiller. And, and he was like, it was about confidence and it was about improvising. Cause like <laughs> I was just like, he, he has that famous the uh, 60, race. 1976. Is it 76? Yeah. That, from, down, from, the downhill um, run. Innsbruck, Austria, just out of control pulling it off and, and wins this, you know, on home turf in Austria. And, and um, just, he's the king of our sport. And he, he's like one of those guys that is high on life like us. Yeah. Like I went back to Kitzbühel for seven years. I didn't want to go back because it hurt too much to think like I'm not racing mm-hmm. and I'm going to be sitting there on the sidelines. Like, I don't want that. I finally got talked into uh, this trip with Powder Magazine because they wanted to do a full feature on it. And they're like, we want you to be our tour guide and show us around. So I made like um Finally decided, okay, I'll do this. And um, my buddy that was a race chief for the uh, the Honicom, I called him up. I'm like, hey, we need full access. I want to get these guys on the hill, give them the, like, the total experience behind the scenes. And he's like, yeah, we could do that if you come back and forerun. And I'm like, what? I mean, what do you mean forerun? Like, come on, I wasn't even thinking about that. And I committed to it then. And that was one of the scariest things I've ever done is get back in the gate. On that course. Seven years off downhill skis. On that course, the toughest, wow. nastiest one where every World Cup in the season leads up to like tuning up for this one. And I was just like sweaty palms at night, you know, thinking about what's going on. But I was out till I was still also on this like little bit of like, you know, taking it all in. Um, just uh, feeling, you know, experience as far as just being a full athlete. So I was still going out and, and uh, doing a little partying. And, and two o'clock in the morning, I'm walking back to my hotel. For the, the next day, I'm going to be on this hill. Yeah, I was a forerunner for training. I look in this bar, it's just going off. I see this guy, like, no way, it's Klammer in there. <laughs> it's so fr- frowns and I knock, frowns. On the, I knock on the window, and they give a little thumbs up. He's like, motion me, come on in. I go in there, give him a hug. He's dancing, you know, just full throttle on the, on the floor. And he's like, stay here. I'm like, I'm running the strife tomorrow. I got to go to bed. He's like, what? All right, have fun. <laughs> Like, here, I'm staying here, out. Here's a shot of snot, schnapps for you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I had guys that were I raced with and even like old legends of sport that had been retired for a while. I'm like, what are you doing? We heard you're going to run this course today. I'm like, yeah. Like, how much have you been training? I mean, you could die on this hill. You know, like, this is crazy. And I was starting to really kind of like hear all this, like, I mean, everybody's the same. All these years are the same. Like, I mean, I'm starting to, you know, like, think twice. I get to the bottom and see my coach uh, that was, he was working for the Canadians at the time, John McBride from Aspen, my best coach I've ever had. But he was with me for the last five years of my, my uh, career. And he's just like, yeah, D-Money. So stoked to see you out here. High five. You going to run this thing? I'm like, yep. He's like, rip the shit up. Like good, like good old times. <laughs> rip the shit up. And um, that to me just, it was a full mental switch. And I put a solid run down. I wasn't looking for speed to try and like win it, but you felt confident. Yeah, I mean that helps. You know, it's amazing, like for all of us, like the limitations that we put on ourselves mentally can destroy us, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and um, you know, nine out of ten times, like I know I could pull something off, and it's just like it's mentally committing to that, and it, yeah, and it's um, you know, I mean, to me, I think that's the most power you can you can give yourself is just like fully commit and, and, uh, think it through. I'm definitely like one of those that does a lot of homework and prep work when it comes down to that stuff or skiing in a line, AK or something, you know, 
you know, with some consequences here in Tahoe. I get this stuff in my head. I look over, look at it like over and over and over and try and get the plan and just like run through it in my head so many times. It's like I've already done it. Mm-hmm. But then like you, you get to the opportunity and you just, you got to go. So we have about like 15 minutes ish left. And I think there was another topic that Tom and I had talked about that I think would be really interesting to get some insight from you on. And that was um, during the whole COVID period especially in the early days, the first few months where everyone was being told to stay indoors and not go outside. And I know that Tom mentioned that you had some, some issues with that um, as far as like people trying to tell you, you shouldn't be getting out there and, and, you know, as a, as an athlete and as a um, a ambassador to brands and the sport. um, I want to talk a little bit about that because we, you know, we, I personally, I think shredding pal is an essential business. And if you're a professional, right. And that's what you do. Um, in that period where people were locked in their homes, especially people in cities who couldn't go out, they literally couldn't go out their back door. Like we're blessed to be able to do here. Um, they lived vicariously through those who actually could and just like, God, I wish I could do that, you know, or just like see those, you know, social media posts and stuff about being in the outdoors and, so I just wanted to, you know, pick your brain on that whole period and like what you had to deal with and, and, uh, what you, what you thought about all of that. Yeah. I'm not one to really ruffle feathers up or, or, um, <clears throat> you know, be controversial, but to me, I think that was total bullshit. You know, it's just, yeah. T- take I mean, us through it. What yeah, happened? You know, I was fascinated watching your, you know, your ride there because it, it pretty much our ski season existed in those like 40 days. Yeah. You know, we'd it, had a weird year and then all of a sudden we were blessed with a whole bunch of really good skiing. And then, you know, I, I watched you get publicly shamed on Instagram for skiing and it, it, it kind of, it ruffled my feathers from afar. Yeah. Know? I mean, that was, uh, I mean, for me, it was just like, I'm, I needed this for myself. Yeah. Right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to like, I don't have any sponsor obligations. We actually... Um, had this bank slalom set up, you know, to run the next day. And that's when the mountain shut down and Red Bulls like was a supporter of that. And like, yeah, we're, we're pulling out of all events right now too. Like this is the right thing, you know, not to get people around, you know, in one place. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, you know what, we're in an outdoor sport, you know, I could be outside. I could be around friends and like, you know, it was just funny, like, oh, let's keep this, you know, social distancing, like one ski pole, you know, like length away for both of us. And, and we're good, right? Just to make a little spoof of it. But I was like, I'm going to be a little under the radar and, and um, not ski anything aggressive and, and um, just continue to just to have fun though and, mm-hmm. and feel my, like be fulfilled, yeah, like for myself. Mm-hmm. And, stay, and, and stay healthy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, being out, yeah, being active, being outside, it's like, I mean, you can't catch a cold from somebody outside or catch any viruses, you know, I mean, yeah. you're in, you're especially, you know, in the mountains. And, um, you know, I, a couple of days into it, I did a little like tour of Jeremy Jones mm-hmm. and we're like, yeah, we're going to be keeping it quiet. You know, we're not going to be doing any like crazy stuff to put us, ourselves at risk, but just go out for a good tour, ski some pow. I mean, it's incredible conditions. It was, it was, a it was good, like, it was a good know, cycle. That cycle. And, um, you know, like, why not? Like, maybe I can help inspire some others to get out there and just do something, be outdoors, and just, like, not be all freaked out about, you know, all this that could go on. And I feel like I'm, you know, being a being really active and in good shape and, and healthy, 
like even if I got COVID, it wasn't gonna be a big deal. I was never like worried about, you know, if I got it, what's gonna be the problem. But I was exposed to a buddy of mine. I was the first person in Tahoe that actually was a po- positive COVID case. Who you, your friend or yeah, you? Yeah, like, well, I was. I wasn't really. I was around him a little bit, um, like on the plane coming home, and then a couple of days later, he got really sick. And so, like, I found out after this tour with my sister and a couple of buddies, and you know, I got the. We get back to the truck, and I check my messages, and like, hey, um, just letting you know, like, you were exposed, and this is what you should do. And so we roll the windows down, put our buffs on, you know, like everybody's like, oh shit, you know, we're around you. And <laughs> and I came home, and I told Michelle, and she like cleaned everything up here with the kids. I was in full quarantine in my, you know, in this guest room. <laughs> I just I basically be like shoveling snow and skiing every day. I totally felt fine. By yourself. And did you, did you get COVID or no? no. Yeah. 10 I, days, you know, like I, I get the full 10 day quarantine and felt totally fine. But like, you know, I had to rap on the door, knock, 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 you know, like food's here, you know, like, <laughs> like, like we were, we were taking it serious. You know, I just, I mean, okay, if I got it, I don't want to pass it on to the family Yeah. and who knows how bad it's going to be, you know, but like, I'll be fine. And I just kept going out skiing, and kept, kept skiing. going out and shoveling and, um, and then I did get pretty much like berated by, you know, someone on social media yeah. about being out there and putting the, putting the, uh, the first responders, others to like, yeah. r- you know, risk and the healthcare system, this and that. And, and, uh, I'm like, gosh, you know, like I'm not going to, you know, go stir up too much, but I did get, like, I wrote something and I had to rewrite like three times. Cause I was like, I mean, a little too aggressive, just back it off. Yeah. And I'm like, just poke around and find out a little more about this person. And there was like a couple times they've been out snowshoeing in the snow on a flat field, you know, and that's their experience with being in the mountains. I'm like, well, you get some skis or a snowboard on and you'll think about it differently when, you know, like what it's like for us. And, and I'm a professional. As I, I do this as right. my yeah. career and exactly. as my life, as my lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, I know. You're pretty experienced and safe. Yeah, and I know, know how to be a little more safe. Yeah. And, and run a tight program. Yep. Like I did, my program changed a little bit through that week or that through that month. Even I told Kurt about this the other day, but you know, I had actually put a, I had a large black sled toboggan sled that was in my vehicle with a, with a pretty more substantial first aid kit than I normally carry. And it, you know, and it had, uh, you know, the pieces of PVC and carabiners and ropes so that you could actually, you know, haul, you could move someone a far distance if we had to, when I skied through that cycle, I was fully prepared if we had an accident to not call the authorities and we were just completely self ready mm-hmm. to, 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 you know, not draw that attention or not, not have to call for, for help, which I think is what people should be doing every day. They're in the anyways. Yeah. yeah it's any, just like, anyways, but it was sort of heightened through that. You got to know month. your, your limitations and uh, mm-hmm. be around people that can, that you can trust. Yep. And then you can, I mean, you don't, I don't want to ever be the weakest link. And so, you know, I joined search and rescue. Yeah. You've been doing that a while search now. And rescue here, um, four seasons now. And one to learn a lot more about the area. Um, I guess number one is just to help our community out. You know, somebody's hurt or lost. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be yeah. able to help out. Yeah. But then also just like the amount of training we get. Um, if something happens to me, I know who to call. Right. You know, just mm-hmm. instead of right. like, right. I'll call the guys like right away, tip them off. Or if I need help, I come across somebody in backcountry, and there's a serious situation. I'm going to call a couple of my, my buddies, you know, I can get around. I know really well on search and rescue and then go through the, you know, to get those guys going. 
Yeah. You know, then go through the proper channels. Like if you call 911, it goes to the sheriff's office. Right. Then it, right. then like they figure out what's going on. Then they kind of like throw yep. it to like search and rescue is like, oh, we, we could use some help here. And then there's a dispatch. And so there's time. Sometimes you don't have time on your side. Yeah. I, I have my wife trained to, I've got a, a core group of people that she can call, uh, if she ever receives a pin drop from me with an SOS. Yep. So and my I think wife that's knows like prep. Yeah. Like my wife that knows that she gets that SOS well, pin drop. first aid and all that. Like you just, you have a put plan, the, put the wheels in motion and let somebody else know that you're not with like, yep. okay, we're going out here. We're just kind of the general area. We're going to go, we're going to be back at this rough time. I'll give you a call when we get back. Yep. And you kind of like, if you don't hear from me, or five hours goes by, then to try and, you know, reach back. Otherwise, like, maybe, you know, put some things in motion. So your chalkboard, so my wife and I have something similar to that, but I leave a message when, you know, I'll leave super early in the morning before she wakes up, and I'll write the zone that I'm skiing in Mm -hmm. and who I'm with and their phone number. Nice, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I do that daily with her now. Mm -hmm. But even uh, just having, like, one of those, um, you know, like, Garmin, edge i think it's called in, 830 in reach or something yeah and just it, it's kind of nice to have those live tracking yeah and so i would say i'm not like the you know, always following the safest profile like uh safest like protocols i'll go out moto you know down the desert yeah the probably solo. With moto that's huge to have yeah that. and i have this thing it's live tracking and i have a couple numbers of friends it goes to and michelle just if something happens right if, if you stop and you haven't moved in a while there's like or you could put an alert out or something like that I mean, it comes down to mechanical or, you know, like I, I go down and, and crash. I can't get, you know, I'm back on my bike. At least there's some like, okay, this is where he's at. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to always like go out as much as I can with others. Right. But there's times that we, we do solo rides like mountain bike or oh, yeah, you know, all the it solo, could be, it yeah. could be something like not even that big of a deal. Yeah. And that seems to be like the, the cause of like bigger oh, problems, right? Always. Cause you let your guard down. I think, and that's another thing, like when I'm faced with like the, a big challenge, I put a lot into it and there's like, there's so much focus. But if you're just out like on the mountain run yesterday, I came down West face, jam on the mountain run. There's another guy like going about as fast as me and we're just, it's a little crowd. So, you know, he's on the left edge, I'm on the right edge and I'm coming up about, just about to pass him and we're on the mountain run and he catches like, I'm, so he's on the left side, like 30 feet away and there's people in between us. He catches an edge and goes straight header, big old like tomahawk, both skis fly off, you know. And I'm like, oh, kind of like slow down, look back. And, and uh, he's, he's getting up, you know, all fours. So I'm like, okay, he's good. And um, plus there's a lot of people around, you know, to, to like get the word out to patrol, whatever. He has some problems. But like that was a guy that like let his guard down and caught an edge and packed it in oh man mountain run froggers that's like i-80 of ski runs <laughs> it is but i mean like right there like i mean he, he didn't who knows what he skied he was a good skier you could tell he was strong so he probably just ripped something and yeah. um and just let his you know guard down and and took the biggest crash of the day probably or of the season yeah so yeah, let's talk a little bit about this last week. Yeah, real quick. I think so that's I, a I good way to kind of yeah. You just mentioned that you were up. ripping mountain yeah. run, but yeah, let's let's talk about it, what what we've all been skiing this week. It's been a a, a pretty wild cycle again for Tahoe. Mm-hmm. We had a huge event that happened that was almost you know more rain at lower elevations, but at upper elevations it just coated everything with this wet plaster that eventually set up. North skied super styrofoamy. 
uh, for like the first day that I went out after that cycle, there was, you know, and I think the, the Eastern Sierras had pow up high. I don't, did you, did you see what Bernard skied last no. week? Oh man. So everybody needs to give, uh, Bernie, uh, his, he's at Bernie R S R O S O W Bernard. Uh, he's a groomer down in mammoth. He's, he's absolutely Is that Bernie snow. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Bernie, our, it's his last name, actually. Mm-hmm. But he's just been sending he crushes, lines. Yeah. He crushes in the Eastern Sierras. And he skied the Wall of the Future last week with a, a, a younger kid from Bishop. And I'll give a shout-out to those guys because what Nick wrote, uh, the other kid is from Bishop. His name's Nick. But he did write up a really neat little piece on mentorship and how Bernie has been, you know, Oh, cool. uh, mentoring yeah. him and and those guys skied a line that all of us as Eastern Sierra skiers have been looking at for years. It's it's called the Wall of the Future. Check it out on Insta. But it it was an impressive ski. It was a face that didn't slide. It slid. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, they had <laughs> everything some, slid they, last week. They, they had some wind slab, but uh, I'll give those guys a shout out. It was it was super impressive. But yeah, there was there was kind of styrofoam on north, and then like you know i that day that we skied kurt we skied north off off tamrock on rose yep and we were skiing the styrofoam and i just was frothing looking at all the south aspects because i was like dude this that that little zipper crust i know is going to soften and it's going to ski you know like it's going to ski like it's going to ski it's going to you described it earlier i know i love i love the way you described it's going to ski like it's going to ski like creme brulee I mean, perfect description of that. Right? Yeah. Well, so it was good, huh? Yeah. So it's, I, I skied some South Aspects. Uh, Sweet and tasty. Oh, my God. The cranberry. I love He spends so- hours looking for songs yeah. that relate to snow. It's hilarious. I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission to find at least 50 songs that can describe every kind of snow. Because then they're going to find their way into the podcast. Well, the Eskimos have about 100 yeah, words for snow, right? Exactly. I referenced it the other day. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going down. You got probably about, you up to about 30, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I want to write a book about it, but, uh, I, my friend Jeff, his quote was that it skied like shattered glass and I, it's, it, it was super neat skiing South aspects the last couple of days. Uh, and it's snowing now and that, that little bit of corn is gone again, but man, it was fun. Like, and I think you got it at squat too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mean oh, Palisades? sorry, sorry, Palisades. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three different aspects, three different types of snow, a little wintry, um, just wind buff up top. And then that kind of like styrofoam. You know, it was just like shaved ice on top and where you could get killer grip and it was just like a little bit of it was moving, mm-hmm. you know, and then wrapped around the bottom and, and got a little, um, little corn snow in. But going back to creme brulee, like my first time ever skiing Mount Shasta was like, I think it was like June 17th. I think it was 2011 after a big season. Um, sorry, July 17th. Oh, wow. That's it was late. that late. And it was pouring rain at the bottom. And we hiked up, did a full, like, you know, just uh, smash from 4 o'clock in the morning, got to the summit, <clears throat> butterflies flying around, T-shirts, you know, it was, like, most beautiful, like, time on top of something big, 14,179 feet, maybe. And um, the first four grand was creme brulee. Oh, so oh, wow. Fun. I mean, that thin little, like, iced crust, and then, like, two to three inches of just incredible corn, wet corn snow underneath. Underneath it. And so, like, that, it was a perfect storm that came in, wet, and um, soaked it all, and then just froze a little bit overnight. Mm-hmm. And just railing, like, super turns down this thing, like, arcing, right? And you hear, it was like, and you hear this, like, the noise, shattered the, glass, the noise like, that it makes. coming down. <laughs> and, I mean, we just went, I mean, I'm not kidding you, 4,000 vert nonstop. 
got to the bottom That's and awesome. uh, just laughing, like just how good that was. And and we got really lucky on the way out because we had a park. Um, we came up Brewer Creek side. Mm-hmm. We had a park. We got through a couple of uh, snow drifts and then just couldn't go any further. And um, I'm like, okay, stop right here. And then we woke up early and, and started going and get to the top. We're, we're skiing down back in the trees like, hmm, can't see any tracks. You know, it was all frozen. We didn't drop a GPS. Oh, and no. uh, like, you know, this could be, if we pass the truck, we're going to be just like run around circles. So we just, but just with that like internal orientation and just, it just, it, we came out like through this one little like creek uh, drainage. And like I was a hundred feet from the truck, you could smell the beer. Oh man, dude, yeah. And that's another <laughs> thing with you. I know you got those uh, IPAs like ready to crack, and you know, when you get back to the truck, yeah, that's. I, I try not to get lost on the way back to the truck because <laughs> I don't want to miss. Something, yeah. I don't want to miss my prize. But I, at I the couldn't end. believe. Like I mean, it was seven thousand feet. We skied. Oh man, and, that's and I've never been back up. there since. Like, or I've been back there a couple of times, but never like that. Where, you know, you didn't have to like. Um, you know, you didn't have to walk out with your, yeah. you know, some shoes or something like that for a little while. So I, yeah. I will give all the listeners a shout out that you're going to be able to ski Shasta all summer this year. Oh gosh. Yeah. I had a friend who drove down from Ben last week and he sent me two pictures from Shasta and it is absolutely buried. It looks like a snow yeah. cone. Like I can't every, wait to go back there. Every yeah. rock is gone. Yeah. We're going to have a year up but there. It's just kind of funny. Like going up KT yesterday, I was just like, geez, like you're talking about like this last plaster. Everything is so damn smooth. Right, but there's God's rocks groomers. that are like 15 foot, like typical rocks, just in the run that are gone. Yeah, like just yeah, God's groomer. Yeah, what, that's what it was like out there. What yep. we say it was a por- powderoy, powderoy, like corduroy pow, yeah, like yep. you know, corduroy just natural pow. surface yeah. powder corduroy. Yeah, and I have to say, like yesterday, shoot 75 all time, like the top half. Oh, that's awesome. It was super smooth. Should have went skiing. Great. I mean, it was a super, like just it was that winter chalk, really smooth. Yeah. And then, but everything, those big wet slides. Oh, oh gosh. Like, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. So it was um, just horrendous debris, you know, below that choke. So yeah. you had to peel out to the left and you're back on some smooth stuff, but everything on, uh, you know, <clears throat> out there, tram face, like just look around everywhere you look and there's like just massive slides everywhere. Yeah. I think it debris was piles everywhere. It, at yeah. the tail um, end of that cycle, it was Tuesday. I think it was yep. when it was really hammering and was wet. We had a pretty big natural slide cycle here in Tahoe. There was a some someone posted some drone footage of the of one of the paths on Talak that had gone hundred year, fifty year slide. Mm, I, I did saw you, that, did that you drone see footage. That? Oh it was my like goodness! Two thousand vertical, I yeah, think. Yeah. It was huge, huge. It was huge. huge. Biggest slide I've ever seen in Tahoe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing was massive. Yeah, it was massive. Yeah, that was. A, and then the next day, it sort of set up, and we were all skiing powder mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it was a fa- it was kind of it was weird because you'd be looking at all this activity, going, "Man, should we be out there?" But then realizing, like, no, oh, it all just happened in this like twelve hour period where everything just let go, and then and then it was good. Yeah, I was, I was out of town, so I missed that. But I mean, I usually always like reference Sierra Avalanche Center. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, savvy um, on Instagram just for the reports that they do a lot of great you know work. They do absolutely gives a ton of information. Um, <clears throat> but you know, it's just going through that self shed, it's kind of, it's kind of nice, right? To have this natural yep. shedding going on. Cause like that was ready to go. But the, the funny thing is now with this, this storm right now, I didn't really pay attention to, you know, the temps, but hopefully it's more of a wet storm kind of like permeates and gets into that, like a harder surface I, right now. That I think it's going to bond. Okay. And bond you know? well, you know, so when we have that like extra top and you can kind of like 
you know, have some good results. I was a little you know, worried safe about results. I was a little worried about it, it coming in blower and just being on top of a, yeah, a dust funky, on crust or something funky surface. But I think that's there. The snow levels are going to be, you know, it's going to be right side up. It's. I think it's going to come start in, wet. It's going to come colder. in okay. We got four to eight, we especially got, this time of year. And, and yeah. our typical, like you know, you can consider a maritime snowpack. It just yeah. love it here because of that. You yeah. know, I mean, so yeah. I. I, it was funny. I almost mentioned to Kurt just when we recorded our last podcast that, you know, one of my worst avalanche accidents that I've ever been involved in involved a cornice at this time of year. And for some reason, I didn't, I don't know, I just, the way our conversation went, I didn't bring it up. And then when we went out and skied like 48 hours later, we saw a big cornice failure. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll bring that one up because to me, the Sierras, that is, that is the one risk we sort of face right now with, with his, the historic snowpack that we have. There's all this hang fire of cornice everywhere. And those things will catch you by surprise, uh, you know. Yeah, and that's they're it. huge and, this year too. And, and, you could use those as your to your advantage too for you know um, tests on slopes. Yes, and that, off. yeah. So, so that's start trying yep. to cut some chunks off, kick them off. Yeah, yep. and like put some load on it sloped, and that's a good indicator. Yeah, yeah. Well, so for me, uh, yesterday actually, I was digging dirt. I was actually doing yeah, trail work. You were doing yesterday. trail work in Verde, eh? Yeah, we, we, we have some backyard trails out the You're just froth and you just can't wait to be on two <laughs> wheels now, huh? I mean, I still I yeah. want to do, I'm just looking forward to dual sport days yeah, where I can ski in the morning and bike in the afternoon or whatever, you know? But yeah, yesterday just felt like taking a day off from skiing. And so uh, Swan John and I just went for a hike and I brought my McLeod and um, yeah, it was all the south face was melted out um, behind our house. What's, and, a, what's a McLeod? Uh, McLeod's a trail tool. Thank you for clarifying that. Some people don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically just like a, 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 you know, blade on one side, tines on the other side and you move dirt with it. And, um, yeah, the trail was in pretty good shape. I had done some prep, um, before the winter set in so that it didn't get too blown out by rain and snow. Um, but yeah, it was great to be out there in the dirt for the first time since, geez, man, like October. I mean, it's been a while since, I rode my bike in the dirt, um, or even put boots in the dirt. Um, but what's funny is that somebody, uh, had messaged me and was like, uh, Oh, you're down there moving dirt for fun while we're up here shoveling just to stay alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, the upside of that is you're going to be super fit for trail season. <laughs> you're going to be ready to dig a bunch of trail because of you all your shovel fitness. Yeah, you gotta look at the positive. <laughs> I mean, my boy Dre, like he's pretty good with a shovel and he, he helps out quite a bit and it's like, Dad, this is getting to be a little old, though, all the shoveling, but I am getting stronger. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, look at it that way, man. Upper body strength. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll, mean, ask, I'll ask you, Darren, how's, how's your house here? Is it, have you guys survived this winter okay here? Oh, yeah, except for um, we got a five-foot fence in the back, and, and um, unfortunately, I, I try to go six-foot, and CCNR is here. No, you know, like just like can't go that high. I'm like, well, if, if we get a lot of snow, I got to put in the fence for my dog Keep keep her in here. Yep. We don't get that much snow out here. Okay. Oh, right. <laughs> she, she was stepping over the fence like like it was a six-inch fence, right? <laughs> so I had to go, when I came back from one trip, I had to shovel out both sides of this, the fence line to, a lot of spots. And, to keep her in, the, in yeah. the yard. Otherwise, she was just she was walking right over. You know, it's just like, you know, so, I mean, that and, like, this is a sturdy place, and I'm not really worried about anything on the roof, just kind of where it slides, like, in the back mm -hmm. right there. You saw her, she was up on the bank yep. sitting there, and if, if it unloads and she's sitting there, you know, wouldn't be a good outcome. So I, I do a lot of work just trying to get the snow off that side, Yep. you know, for safety for her. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it has been 
relentless, just trying to keep the front door. <laughs> she wants front to. Door path she wants open. to join the podcast. She's yeah. like, "Can I get on a mic here?" But I tell you, this is the banana belt. Like I've been, like yeah. my sister's place in Sierra Meadows, three times the size of snowbanks there. Look at Serene. Yeah, insane oh, it's, it's up there on, on the I summit. haven't been on Dunner Summit since Kurt and I were up there for the Frog Lake trip. I'm, yeah, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's cool. It's like following nuts. Scott Gaffney, mm-hmm. uh, his Instagram post because he he like every year we have a big season. He goes up there and like it's documents fo- with some fo- cool photos, photos. Everything Alpine Meadows or Serene, likes up there and just like there's like little holes that people are going in to their second story window, you know, to get in the house. Yeah, I have a trivia question for you. Do you know the German word for a roof lanch? No. <laughs> it's Daklavin. 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 Roof lanch. Roof lanchs are real because they don't. You know, we don't really have them as much here in the United States, but in the Alps, I guess it's a thing, and they have a word for it. So there no you go, Daklavin. Oh, that's a nice little yeah. bit. Of I just stuck trivia. to like Mach Schnell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mach Schnell. Yeah, yeah. Faster. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. uh, no, it's just it's been quite the year, and and um, I'll I'll shovel, you know, for what we have to ski, and I'm not, yeah. for, you know, yeah, it gets it gets to be a little rough for sure, and there's days where, you know, you can't even get out of the, out of the house. Yeah, yeah, and got some sleds out there, and maybe drip around the na- drip around the neighborhood, but, you know, it's just um, it comes to a point where like okay, we got to do some shoveling, do some snow removal here, and so we can just get out, and go play. I wouldn't trade this year for anything. No, hell no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it too. Just down the hill, so I don't have to do nearly as much. I feel bad for you guys, but, you know, I guess well, I have to drive. Some days I get locked out, though. Like, some days I-80 doesn't open, and I can't even get up to, like, you know, get to the resort. It's a good moneymaker, too, though, for some of these guys, like, that are doing, um, you know, snow removal on the roofs. Yeah. 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 I've heard from the low point being 45, 50 bucks. Uh, I'll like 150 an hour. Totally. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you got to get up yeah. there and do some like. It's cheaper than replacing a roof. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a panic was setting in amongst a lot of people, especially with that atmospheric river coming. Yeah. With a lot of rain, that's going to like triple the weight of the snow, maybe more. Yeah. So, I mean, all the homes that had a lot of snow on there, there was a ton people of work. Were scram- people were, were scrambling. Yeah, they were scrambling. We got lucky. Yeah. We mentioned that in our last pod that we sort of dodged a bullet mm-hmm. in that sense but you yeah know. it wasn't as bad it was it was uh spoken to be exactly but still there's some homes that had quite a bit of snow on them it was probably just a good good thing to do like all these ice dams too and leaks inside the homes but yeah, yeah we're doing we're doing okay out here cool well darren i know that you have to uh go pick up the family at the airport and then go head to where are you going sun valley sun valley yeah right. he's got a little race series and Yep, I'll be there a couple of days and off the steamboat for a quick little trip and then back here in Mothership Classic on Sunday on KT. Oh, do some fun. hot laps there, oh, mess yeah, around yeah. a little bit there. And then there's a slight chance if things line up and conditions are, are good, maybe some weather that I might be shooting back to Haynes. If not, I'll be around Tahoe. Well, let's cool, try to link man. up for an east side trip here this spring, buddy. Even back in Deso would be fun or yeah, around the lake. It's going to be, that'll be in all year like, too. I know East Side, like I mean, I love going down there, but it's rare for me. But just my backyard, yeah. which I'll call like Donner to West Shore, East Shore, there are so many options. Yeah, I, I can't get burned out on on being home. It's just there's, and I really don't do it too much. I've been skiing more resort this year than than I have in a while. It's been so good. Yeah, and it just has take, been a good you know, year. Just chipping off here and there, like little backcountry days, but but um. You know, I do a lot of uh, my my touring with Zoe. 
Oh, yeah. You know, I, I want her to yeah, get out yeah, there, yeah. especially all these like days I've been away. I feel kind of guilty. You know, she's hanging at home in the backyard. It gets a little walk here and there, but she loves is going. And so a lot of my days are, I'll go up and find some place to go. Like I walked her up um, Paul Creek the other day mm-hmm. just for a little exercise, just to get out there, you know, and... Um, Dogs have to put their mind in the track, yeah, too. There's yeah, there's something super... She loves it. Something super her, magical. Stay in the track. There's days where she <laughs> cannot get out of the track. This year has been crazy. So That's deep, right, you know, yeah. she can't go anywhere. But um, it, so that, that, to me, is another, like, way that I just... I just love being outside and, and sharing that experience, yeah. even with my dog. And, and yeah. um, she's been... Actually, she's dropped, like, a little 10, you know, 12-footer this year, and she's kind of starting to come into her own. Man, her skills are, are improving, you know. She's kind of going with some blind rollovers where, like, she got a little surprise on one. I was like, <laughs> go right, you know, coming down. But she's charging. It's so fun. Do you have her trained to not come close to your skis? That's, you know what, I'll let her, if there's a track in, and I'll have her go ahead of me. But if I'm, like, when you're, you're skiing, the track, yeah. it's, it's like she's on my, you know, tails. And I kind of stop yeah. or try and back off, you know, let her go or something like that. But... That's kind of the one thing that she's not quite there, but she's a lot better now. Okay. Yeah. It's good for, it's good for people to do that. I skied a lot with dogs. I've had two dogs that I skied a lot with. Uh, and you know, I'll say that I, I, I learned to retire them early. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to run them into the ground later in life, which I learned the hard way with my first two. And then the third one now I, I, I retired them early, but it's, I think it's important to make sure that they, you know, they learn to ski behind you. And not and try not to get in front of you because you can cut them up pretty good with your skis or board. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah with, with and your, she with your she edges. has come in front of me and like like that one rollover like twelve foot drop I'm talking about. Yeah, that was her going first. I was trying to lead her off to the right, <clears throat> but um, oh, I thought you meant like following you no, on the skin no. track where she's like once in a while like putting her paws in your tails, which is annoying, you know. Yeah, that's well. But no, like, I'm just talking about more etiquette go, with skiing with dogs. No, no, no like, I've had a ton of pe- friends that have cut their dogs' legs or paws with mm-hmm. the edges. Of I've their heard skis. about that too, and, and I have like a little first aid kit. Smart. You know, if any wrap her up, you know, a leg or something like that. Yep. But, but um, you know, she's typically trying to keep up with me. Yeah, so that's rad. There's something so magical and special about just being alone with your dog and skiing in the woods. It's a really there's just something, you know, core there. Yeah, that goes way back to like, you know. Adam and Eve and you just, you know, just being in the garden with your dog. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I miss it. I, I, I miss skiing with my dog. He's been retired for a few years now. Yeah. Well, she sees my skis going in the back of the truck and she's like right there. I'm like, not today. And puts her head down, walks away. You got to guard the house, guard the house girl, you know, and, and she does not like that. But then she gets so amped when we can go out and yep. it's nice. Like I'll, I'll first go take her in the morning on the early side and just go, go somewhere, go for a little quick tour. And then I'll go, on a, you know, a little further or, you know, put her back in the go somewhere else or go back to the resort. So that's kind of our program. That's yeah, well, one of these days program. we should do an episode just about dogs, like the, the sharing the skin track in the backcountry with your dog. Cause I think there's a lot of people out there who'd like to do it. Yeah. And there's definitely right. Like etiquette and protocol, especially when mm-hmm. you're in a busy area or area with other people. Um, so oh, it's so fun. Yeah, that's why I try and go out places where no one's at really. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest thing is like, I have to like, know that okay this day i'm not gonna be skiing something really steep right and yeah. technical because i don't program. want to get her in that pro you know that that situation so it's more of like a enjoyable ski tour and just go ski something mm-hmm. that's like i know like there's no exposure and she can get down and but like to see her kind of neck deep or like the, one of the first storms this year um deep creek 
took up there and she had to ski like walk in my track she, and she could to. hardly even breathe being oh in God. the track right so <laughs> she i mean she couldn't move being out of it it was insane wow yeah i think we had like three feet of like fresh snow on top of nothing yeah and so you know that was the first you know big day that she's had it was five hours out there and just she swimming was smoked but you know <laughs> they need that like us they right? do they need to get we out we need Absolutely. our fix we need to you know physically be active and it just at the end of the day it makes us feel that we you know accomplish something and it feels good and you know everything else in life works better and you sleep better and yeah that's a yeah. lot of what we're talking about on this show yeah so i think a good way to maybe close this out because i know that tom has asked asked this last week and i think it's a kind of good way to to leave people with the with the mindset of like to you what does mind the track mean uh mind the track to me would be you know there's a certain etiquette if you're on a track that somebody's like been breaking trail like what you did tom <laughs> going up the top of uh bear scratch but there's like i always like you know wanted to try and leave it you know the conditions and in, in a in better condition than I've found it, you know, if it's something's blowing out, whatever, just help others out there. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just to me, I'll follow some tracks, but I love to set my own, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and yeah. um, you know, it definitely helps on certain days when there's a track in there. But I think it's just, I mean, there's a sense of exploration, but you're following some others. If there is a track established, I'm kind of more of like the person that wants to like just have, my own special experience. Yeah. But I mean, even if you get to the top on, on the track, like there's other stuff you can ski that probably there isn't like a ski line in, which is kind of more my thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, just in life, you know, just, um, be mindful of what you're doing and, and others as well. And go out and hunt for something special. Nice, man. That's a good way. Yeah, to well said. To, to wrap it up we uh did you guys I mean have you guys explained this yet with your own perspectives we have like yeah yeah somewhat. maybe short yeah. answers from, yeah. then if, from you guys kind of interested in hearing that well for me it's more of the it's the eastern philosophy thing that happens when i'm outdoors and uh you know that everything sort of just dissolves around me and then i can mm-hmm. really live in the present moment and that's what for me mining the track is is that i can i can have this experience of clarity and uh you know, whether it's a religious experience or not, I, you know, I, I still sort of searching for that answer when I'm doing it, but you know, it's, uh, it's just a, 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 you know, a moment of clarity that I can have by either mountain biking or by, or by being mm-hmm. in the skin line and snowboarding. That's yeah, that, that feel like I go back to the feeling uh, like I ski raced for the feel. I, yeah. I, I still like, it feels euphoric. <clears throat> yeah, it feels I, euphoric. I, I free ski for the feel like that's, yeah. I ski for the feeling like we're riding motor, mountain bike, surfing, Mm-hmm. It's all because it feels really damn good to be doing that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm the same you, way. Yeah. It's the same way. The, the mind, the track is just that. I say it's like this 18-inch corridor of consciousness. You know, there's this like narrow path through the woods, and uh, and when you're in that path, um, nothing else matters. Just that moment where you're, you know, hearing, you're breathing, you're feeling your heart rate, and you're just like in connection and in symbiosis with the, with the, with yourself and the, and the environment and the world. And, uh, it's a place where you can just kind of be there and everything else doesn't matter for that moment. And, uh, I know a lot of other people 
have that experience. And for me, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person, but that's my religion mm-hmm. is being in the woods, mm-hmm. being on the track in that 18 inch. Well, you church. just described my feeling. I have one out there. So thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah. Darren. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time, uh, carving a couple hours out of your busy schedule and, um, having us at your beautiful house here in Glenshire. It's super cool. Um, and yeah, we, we really appreciate you coming on well, the show. Yeah, I, I, you know, I feel honored Thanks, to be invited, buddy. you know, to be on this with you guys. And like I said, the two of you, like what you guys do, it's inspiring. And, uh, I've always, you get asked, you know, like, do you have an idol or somebody you look up to? And like, really, I don't have one specific person I idolize. Like I idolize people who are having fun with what they're doing, like good at what they do, push, you know, smart about what they do, push themselves and out for a good time, you know, and, and do it again. And that's yeah. kind of like, those are my idols in life. So I'll give you guys high fives, man. Thanks. Thank, Darren. I appreciate Thanks, man. it. Yeah, appreciate cheers, it thank you. Thanks for listening to episode five of Mind the Track with our guest, Darren Rowles. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track. <laughs>